Well, good morning again. Good morning. You see, I can always count on Amparo. <laughs> That's why we let her sit up front. <laughs> We're good. Well, happy Easter. Man, I love this time of year. This is the day that, uh, I mean, it just changed everything for us. And, and, and I love every, everything about it. I love, like, our visitors. And I love the people. Like, it just seems like this is the time of year that you can't get around the fact that Jesus, he died, he rose again, and you just you can't get past that. It's, like, on everyone's mind. But um, th- this morning, um. I'm a history buff. Um, I love history. Um, it was one of my many, many majors that, you know, I kept changing majors all through, like, over and over again and, and everything. And history was one of my favorites. And, and, and one of my favorite parts of history and one of my favorite people in history was a guy named Winston Churchill. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Um, his great, there's a great movie out about him. They did a really good job. But, but I love Winston Churchill. And one of the things I love is I love the quotes. And I love quotes from, like, people from church fathers, from from people in history and everything. And, and, and on the occasion of D-Day, on, on the greatest military kind of invasion movement that's probably in, in all of history that happened, that, that moment where they landed on Normandy to change the tide of World War II. Before that, we were losing, by the way. I mean, there, there, was, there was a lot of worry and a lot of concern. And then D-Day happens, and they land on those beaches. And I've had the privilege of actually standing on those beaches. I have a little vial of sand that's in my office from Normandy and on, just thinking about the sacrifice uh, of that day and everything. But, but when D-Day happened, the news media and, and all these people around the world, they came to Winston Churchill and said, wow, this is awesome. This is great. So, so is that it? And Winston Churchill looked at him and he said, you know, this is, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. All this is is the end of the beginning. And I think that that plays into Easter an awful lot. See, because I think a lot of times we show up um, and we go to Easter or we go to church and, and we have a good Friday service and we take, we take communion and then we come to Easter and we think, well, that's it. That, that was, that's the end of the story. And so there's nothing else that needs to be said, nothing else that needs to be done. But I believe that Easter is only the end of the beginning. I think what Christ did on the cross and what Christ accomplished when he rose again just set the stage for something so much more for, for the rest of us. And so this morning, um, that's what I want to talk about. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 24. If, if you don't have a Bible, um, we have them available. They're spread out around the room. Just we'll hand one. If you don't have one, if you're on vacation, you forgot yours, take one of ours. Put your name in it. You can have it. It's yours. It's a gift. If you like electronic devices and everything, because those pages are really heavy, um, you can, I know, I know, I say it every week, and I love my tablet, but um, you, can, you can sign into our Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, and you can follow along. But on this day, as every day, and maybe even more today, these are the only words that matter. And what I have to say um, just means absolutely nothing. This is the only reason, these words are the only reasons I get to stand up here and preach. It's the only reason we get to gather as a church because of the authority of these words. Jesus actually said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. And so out of respect for that and out of acknowledgement of that authority, I'm going to ask you if you'll just stand with me as we open God's word. In Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 28. 
Dr. Luke writes this. He said, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. You pray with me? God, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to gather. God, I thank you that long before we even woke up this morning, you were here waiting for us. That we don't have to ask or plead or beg for you to join us. God, you were here waiting. God, I know without a shadow of doubt that you have something to say this morning. To every single one of us, me included. So God, I pray, I ask that these would be your words and not mine. God, hide me. But let this be your words, God. And I pray for ears to hear, for hearts to respond. God, and for the courage to live it out. God, may we be changed. May you meet us where we're at this morning and move us from there. And may you get all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, so as I said, that it's a famous quote from Winston Churchill. This is not the beginning, or not the end, not the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning. And, and I know that's probably a really different title for an Easter message. And so often we just stick and we say, like, Jesus is alive. Woo, that's great and stuff. But I think there's a problem in our culture today and in a lot of our churches and a lot of places that we stop at the cross or we stop at Easter. It's become something that we kind of check off a list. All right, I went to my Easter service or, you know, I, I thought about the cross and so I'm good for the year. And yet I think it's so much more for us. It's so much more. And it was... It was the start of something that is carried on through us today. That today, throughout this world, all over this globe, people are gathering to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is risen. Let that sink in for a moment. The God we love, the God we serve, the God we follow, the God that drew us all here together this morning is alive. He's not distant. He's not dead. The tomb is empty. He's alive and he's active still today. I mean, that, that should be huge. That should just resonate in our hearts with us. That we don't just sit here and go like, okay, I've done this, I've done that. But I think we get stuck sometimes. We, we get so used to the story that it just doesn't mean anything for us anymore. And that it should be so much more. And so this is the story of the road to Emmaus. It's probably one of the favorite um, passages to preach on on Easter. Everyone likes it. It's a great story. It's amazing how Jesus shows up and he reveals himself, and, and we love it. And, and, and I love it, but I want to do kind of a different take because I think if all we ever do is look at the cross, look at the resurrection, and it does absolutely nothing for us, then all it is is ever is just a story. 
And it's so much more than that. So, so I want to back up just a little bit. Go back to verse 13 in chapter 24. Let's go back to the beginning. If you don't know what's happened and everything, Christ has just been crucified. This man that people put so much hope in and everything, he had been brutally killed, and he had, he's dead. And all his followers and everyone that was there that invested in him so much and stuck with him so much, they're kind of scattered everywhere. And so that's where we kind of pick up the story in verse 13. It says this, and that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all of these things that it had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know what things that have happened there in these days? See, here's this picture. And obviously these guys were followers of Jesus. Obviously these guys, they were there. They had invested him. They had spent time with him. But all of a sudden, he dies. He's falsely accused. He's crucified. And all his followers and everyone, they're kind of dispersed. In fact, most of the disciples, they're hiding in a room somewhere, just waiting for the Romans or the Jewish officials to come find them. These two decide, we're not sticking around. We're, we're going to head out of town because all the problem here is in Jerusalem. And so basically, they're just running away. Because in their eyes and in their sight, they looked and they saw Christ died. They saw this person that they put their hope in, and it's over. It's the end. There's no more reason to hang out. Their, their lives were in danger. See, because they backed the wrong horse. All the Jewish officials, they're the ones that said, no, Jesus is against us. And so they killed him, and so we, we may be next. So we're getting out of town. We, we are leaving because it's the end of it. And unfortunately, for so many people that are going to be in churches today, they're going to come and they're going to hear the story of Jesus on the cross and hear the resurrection. They're going to walk out and they're going to go, great story, but it changes nothing. And they're just going to continue down the road. But there's so much more to this. Listen to their hearts. Listen how everything they invested, they, they had lost hope in here. Look at verse 19. They're asking, like, are you the only guy, back at verse 18, it says, are you the only visitor of Jerusalem who doesn't know? Have you been living under a rock? Do you not know what just happened? Are you crazy? Are you, like, out of town? You're just a vacationer. You don't know what's happening? Man, this is bad. And I love that Jesus, and I actually think that Jesus at this moment, he still hadn't revealed himself to him, but I think there was kind of a smirk on his face. <laughs> and it says, he said to him, what things, in verse 19. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was prophet, mighty in deed, and word, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all that, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. 
And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Do you hear the hopelessness? Do you hear the despondency? We put all our trust, all our hope, everything that we could do, we put it all in Jesus, and now he's dead. They killed him. He was supposed to redeem Israel. He was supposed to, he was supposed to reign and, and make us big again and strong. No more Romans, no more power. He was supposed to take care of all of that. But, but he's gone. You know, it says that even now, and yes, and besides, in verse 21, it's now the third day since these things happened. By the way, in Jewish thought, after the third day, the spirit left the body. So if there was any hope that he was going to be alive, it's done. It's been three days. He's dead. He's gone. And yes, some girls went and saw, and they said the tomb was empty. They said they saw angels, but they were girls. Sorry, ladies, that was the culture back then. They're just there's the crazy women talk. We don't know what's going on with them. And then the other side, they went and looked, and so he's not only dead, but his body's gone. You hear the hopelessness? You hear? The despondency? put everything in there have you ever put like all your all your life or something into it just for it to just to go away just to see it destroyed i know so many people that they have banked on like their their retirements and everything and then a few years ago that stuff just crashed and people just said everything i hope for is gone that's these guys but the problem is is they missed the point and unfortunately, many of us still miss the point. We miss the point of the cross. We miss the point of Easter and everything. And that's why we can walk into a church service and, and we can check off the list. I went to church at Easter. I might be back at Christmas. But, yeah, and we miss the point. And we go out and it's like nothing has ever changed. And nothing is ever different for us. And I love that at that moment, Jesus says, ah, enough's enough. No more pity party. No more of this. I'm going to reveal this, and I'm going to reveal the purpose of everything. Look at verse 25. And he said to him, Jesus says to him, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It's basically Jesus looking at him and says, you guys morons? Are you, you've studied the word, right? You understand, like, you've read the Bible before and everything? You foolish ones, have you, have you not paid attention to believe all that the prophets have spoken, verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. I, I think Jesus was looking forward to this moment. I, I think Jesus was sitting here going, I can't wait for an opportunity just to show you. Because there's so many of us that think like our Christianity, our faith is just the New Testament. But do you understand from the moment that we fell, from the moment that we looked at God and said, God, I'm going to do it my way. I have a better plan. I'm going to try it my way. By the way, that is the definition of sin. I think we get sin confused. We think it's like I don't cuss, I don't chew, you know, I don't date girls that do. It's the things I do 
But all sin is is the idea and the fact that we looked at God and said, I've got a better plan. And so in the garden, when our great, great ancestors sat there and said, God, we're going to do it our way. Sin entered the world, and at that moment, God had a plan and a purpose. And even right then, we just talked about this on Good Friday, that at that very moment, God started setting his plan in order. When he looked at the serpent, he looked at Satan, he says, listen, one day there'll be a child born. There'll be a seed of a woman. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And from that moment on, he kept going on. And then he went into Abraham. Remember Abraham and Isaac from your old Bible story? Remember Isaac, the promise of a son, a promise of a seed that would come and create this build great nation? Then all of a sudden God says, Abraham, sacrifice your only son to me. And in Hebrews, it talks about Abraham that he had faith and believed that God could even raise his son from the dead. And so he was going to be obedient. And at that moment, as he raised the knife to sacrifice his son, God stops him. Even up there, his son Isaac is saying, where's, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And God says, I'll provide. He says, God will provide the lamb. And then we get to Moses, and we get this thing called Passover. The blood that covers the doorpost so that the enemy, that death will pass over us. And we get to David, and we get to the prophets, and we get all through it, and all through the Old Testament, and everyone, every single thing pointed to Jesus coming and dying and taking our sin upon himself see we missed the point we want a jesus that comes in and fixes our lives and makes us happy but first before he can ever change anything he had to take care of our sin and that's the purpose of the cross see god's goal for you is not to become a happy person it's to restore a relationship and become a perfect person and that's what he makes us, and that's what he changes to. But it's only through the cross, and it's through the resurrection, through that, that Jesus took care of all of that. See, I think there's some of us that are walking around this planet today that looks at our lives and says, well, I've done this, I've said this, I've thought this. It's too bad. It's too awful. And yet Jesus took care of it all. If this morning you're sitting here going, well, I'm a New Testament Christian, well, then you and I don't know the same Jesus. Because my Jesus, my Jesus has been mentioned through this entire book. And everything points to him. And so often we miss the point. So often we miss what's going on with Easter and the resurrection. We go like, okay, I've got my fix. I feel good about myself. I'm happy. I'm all good. Now I'm going to leave. And okay, whatever happens, happens. But there's so much more to this. You see, the cross is more than just an end. The cross is more than, than just a stop. Like, and so often we, we stop there and, and we look at that. Look at, look at verse 28. I love this. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. I love the idea that Jesus was going to keep going. He wasn't stopping. He was like, yeah, I want to continue this journey. I want to keep walking. They had to basically like, no, 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 please stay. Come on, stay with us. You're saying stuff. That's making sense, and we want to hear more, and, and everything, but please stay with me. And I love the fact that Jesus is going to keep going, and the journey wasn't going to end right at that. It, it's a great picture from, from, actually, again, from the Old Testament. This happened before, where Moses looked at God and said, God, I want to see your face. 
God's like, if you see my face, you're going to die. Your mind is not going to be, it's going to explode. You cannot handle So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on a little ledge. I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to walk past you. And you're going to see where I've been because I'm always moving. I'm keeping going. And just that changed everything. Moses perplexed. I mean, he was glowing, they said, just seeing where God has went. It happened again in the New Testament. Ever hear the story of Jesus walking on the water? He comes out, the guys are rowing, they're struggling, and Jesus is just like strolling past. He's going, I think his original plan was to keep walking. Because he wanted them to see where he's been. It was like a sign of blessing, and yet they begged him, no, 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 Jesus, get in the boat, calm the storm. And so again here, Jesus, I think he's just going to keep walking because the journey doesn't end, it goes on. In verse 30, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And listen to this. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn all of a sudden out of nowhere? There was this aha moment. There was this moment where the, it was revealed and they understood, this is Jesus. He's alive. And I believe all my heart that every one of us at some point have to have an aha moment. See, I don't think it matters if your parents know Jesus, if they're Christians, if you go to church all the time, if you, if you, if you sing the songs, do that. There has to be a moment where we realize that there is a God, a God who loves us so much that made us, that became us, that died for us and then rose again for us. There is a God out there and it has to become real to us. It has, we have to own it. And at that moment, these guys, it just clicked on. The light clicks on and, and we don't know why. It says when he broke the bread, and I don't think it was because they were at the Last Supper, because that was only the disciples. Maybe they saw the scars when he broke the bread. By the way, in heaven, there's only one person that is going to have visible scars, and that's Jesus, and they're badges of honor for him. So that for eternity, we'll be reminded what he did for us on that cross. Maybe they saw the scars. Maybe, maybe just something clicked. But it all came together. They realized this is who's talking to us. This is, it all makes sense. We understand now. We, we see it. We see Jesus. And I love what they said in verse 32. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened us to us the scriptures. Can I ask you, when's the last time have you heard God's word that something started lighting in your heart? When's the last time you were at church or you were at some service and you just felt like a fire burning inside? You just felt, you just felt like, man, God is just talking to me and he's present and he's real and everything. See, I think that should be every day i don't think it makes any sense to go to church to come into god's presence and then leave the same that you came in for i, I think when we come to the presence of god that it just ignites a fire and it should burn in us i think every time we open the word that it should ignite a fire 
burns in us. And there's something that becomes a passion starts exploding inside of us. I think that it should grow in us and that every single day, you know, I hate that we think about the cross and we think about the resurrection only on Easter when every single day is resurrection day. Every single day is a day to celebrate because our Lord is alive. He rose again. Over 400 people saw him. There's a lawyer from MIT that tried it, looked at it, and looked at all the evidence. It says the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus Christ is alive. And it should burn in our hearts. You remember that moment? Do you remember that moment when it became real to you? Remember that moment when Christ became real? And, and, and you felt that excitement and you just had to tell everyone? Listen, I remember going on one date with my wife. I told first services. I went on one date with my wife. I left saying, I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> and that night I called my dad and I called my mom. I said, I'm getting married. Get ready. You're getting a daughter. It's, it's happening. It, it's going to be good. I, I know this. And when she said yes, and when she said, I feel the same way, I told everyone. And every day I wake up and still look over there and say, wow, you're still here? <laughs> That's amazing. But I tell everyone. When's the last time your faith felt like that? Does it still burn? I mean, it just... It breaks my heart to see people come to church and leave unchanged. For the church not to be the church the way it's supposed to be, because I believe all my heart, if the church was doing what it was supposed to be, if the church was being the church, we wouldn't have Medicaid, Social Security, any of those things, because the church would take care of everything. You see, the resurrection, the cross, it was just the end of the beginning. Sin was taken care of. The resurrection proved that it was taken care of. And now it's passed on to us to burn and to carry that torch on. It, it's not just a one-time thing. It shouldn't be a one-time thing. Look what happens to them. Look at the immediate response, man. As soon as they figure out it's Jesus, they are highly motivated. There's motivated movement. Look at verse 33. It says, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. <coughs> And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Do you see that there were no more excuses? That immediately when they realized they were in the presence of Jesus, and when they realized that he was alive, they got up and they left. It's funny to me because earlier in verse 28, they're like, 28, uh, 29, they're like, Jesus, you know, urged him to stay because it's late. It's dark out. Come in and stay. All of a sudden, they don't care. <laughs> They're in the presence of Jesus. They understand that he's alive, and they don't care anymore. They're like, I don't care if it's dark. It may be risky traveling night. We don't care. We're going back to Jerusalem. We're going right back to where we should have stayed, where we should have been. We're, we, we don't make any more excuses. There are so many people that follow Jesus that make so many excuses. I don't feel led to share my faith. Really, my Bible never said it was an option. I, I don't feel led to, to do this, or I, I don't, I, 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 you know, I'm tired and everything. I, nowhere in my Bible does it say there are excuses for us not to chase after Jesus. Nowhere in my Bible is there any place that says we, we get an out 
that we are always going. And, and, and the truth is, I love that they went back to where they probably should have never have left. See, man, we are such a fickle society. We go to a church and we get offended. Somebody says something. Someone doesn't dress right. They sat in my chair. <laughs> Can't believe they sat in my pew. I'm going to go somewhere else. The music is good. Music isn't as great. And so we get all upset and, and we leave. And I think sometimes God just says, I want you to stay where I have you because I have a plan for you there. And you need to be motivated and you need to move there. and You need to serve there and you need to be there and, and do that. And I love that the first thing they did is they shared the news. We've seen Jesus. That's what they were called to do. That's what they had to do. There was no other doubt about it. There were no more excuses. How many of us will leave today and say, okay, this was great. It was Easter. Check. I'm good. And we'll do nothing else with it. We'll do nothing more with it. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called that we to carry this on. That now the church is born. Do you understand the moment that Jesus rose again, the church was born? The moment that Jesus said, it's done, it's finished. Sin is paid for to prove it. I'm ri I've risen from the grave. No one else has to die. There's no more need for any of our sacrifice. And now the church is born, the people that I'm going to send out and change the world and share the good news was born at that moment. See, Easter is just the end of the beginning. It's the end of what God had to do and all the work that he did to restore us, to pay for our sins, to take care of all that. And now it moves on to us. I love it. Jump down to verse 46. Look at what Jesus says when he's finally with the disciples in Luke in 40, verse 46. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. I love it. The cross ended sin and the power of sin and ended death and the power of death. It broke its bonds. The resurrection made life available to us, gave us hope. The question this morning is, is now, what will we do with it? Where do we go from here? Because if it's just a one-time event, then ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, church, you're wasting your time. Too many of us are showing up at churches and just kind of hearing the message, and then nothing changes, nothing happens, and we walk out. And, and I'm telling you, there are better ways to spend your time than listening to some guy just preach and yell. And get all excited. But if this is true, if this is real, if this has happened, then we have a charge, we have a purpose, we have a direction, and we are called to move out. I love it. Starting next week, we're going to start a series, series in Acts. And one of my favorite things about Acts is that it's the only book in the Bible that doesn't have an ending. Every other Bible, it has kind of a closing statement. Acts has no ending because it's still being lived out today. 
that from the resurrection on, now the church is born. Now we as Christians, the local body, the followers of Christ, now we carry this on and we move off and we continue to spread it and spread it and spread it. That it's not the end, that it doesn't stop on Easter, that it doesn't stop with that. In fact, I love what Paul says in Philippians 3. Paul says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Listen, if you think just because I'm a pastor, like I've learned it all, I'm good, I'm done. Man, it ain't true. If you ever meet a pastor that says, oh, no, I got it, I'm good. Stuff, go to a different church. <laughs> See, one of the things I love about this church is that there's no one more important than anybody else. It takes all of us. That I'm still learning this. I still struggle and I'm still learning more about God and I'm growing more like Christ. And, and I'm doing that on a daily basis, just like everyone else. I know that Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said, Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it, that I've got all this, that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. By the way, the actual Greek there is I am continuing, I am pressing on. I continue to press on. I am pressing on that it is a daily event, that it doesn't happen on some special holiday or some special service, that every single day I'm taking another step forward. Every day, every day I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on. I'm reaching more. I'm trying to become more like Christ. I'm letting that transforming work that happens because of Christ develop in me and grow in me, and I keep moving forward. I don't stop. And it's so sad to me and it's so heartbreaking to me that there's going to be so many people that are earning churches all over the world because it's Easter and they're going to walk in and they're going to walk out and nothing's going to change. I believe all my heart the local church carries the hope of the world. We carry that with us. And there are no perfect churches. If you're looking for a perfect church, well, then you just ruined it. Because <laughs> none of us are perfect. Not our own way, only through Christ. But we are called to press forward. We are called to move from the resurrection on. We are called to continue to go forward, which means I give of myself. I join a local body. I commit to that, and I'm going to serve until God says I'm not going to serve there anymore. And I'm going to keep going, and I keep growing in that faith, and I keep pushing, pushing forward. Because the resurrection was only the end of the beginning. And now the rest of the story is being played out through us. That's what Christ does. He transforms us. He makes us new. Isn't that good news? It's one of my favorite verses. The older I get, the more favorite it becomes for me. In Christ, I become new. Because the older I get, more things get old. <laughs> The older I get, every day I roll out of bed and it sounds like a drum roll just happened. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. And I'm longing for the day when this catches up to what's inside, what God has done. Really. But, but he makes us all new. He transforms. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's the great thing about the cross. It's nothing that you do. It's what Christ has done. But then after that, it's what we do with it. One of my favorite authors Today is a guy named Francis Chan, and I love that he says, we never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. 
you don't walk down an aisle somewhere, say a prayer, and then everything is all good. That's just that's just the starting point. When we say that prayer, for those of you that know Christ, at some point, hopefully, you acknowledge that I need a Savior. I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. We all have that. That's our common ground, by the way. That's what makes this church so cool, is that every one of us are on the same playing field. We all need a Savior, and Jesus is it. But that's just the beginning of it. It takes deliberate. It's a pursuit. It takes a tentative. It's like I'm, I'm going to keep moving forward because it's not just about Easter. It's not just about a Christmas. It's not just about showing up now and then. It's about every day growing more and more like Christ and becoming the person that I was always created to be. See, Easter is just the end of the beginning. And now we carry it out to the rest of the world the rest of our lives listen I, I don't know where you're at this morning you, you may just be visiting you just like wandered in you saw a church sign says oh it's Easter I'm gonna go to church I'm so thankful I don't think anybody's here by accident I don't believe in accidents I don't believe in coincidences I believe in a sovereign God that just controls everything and puts everything in place and I don't know where you're at this morning but we just want to give you a chance to respond to this Let today be the start of a life lived for him. Let the resurrection resonate. I've still, I've said this the entire like Lenten season that it is my goal to change the symbol of Christianity from a cross to an empty tomb because we follow and chase after a living God, not one that's on a cross anymore. That's done. That's taken care of. We never have to go back to that. It is, he is risen and we are called to live like he's alive. Which means everywhere we go, every person we talk to, every interaction we have should have a touch of grace, love. All that God's given us should spread out. What are you going to do with Easter? Where do you go from here? My hope is forward until that day when he returns and it's all done. Let's pray.